When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. <laughs> this is Birds 365. Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! Appreciate your streaming on in to Birds 365 as the countdown continues to opening Sunday. We've got a busy week for the Eagles down in South Beach. And before you know it, yes, Lions-Eagles is just in the offing. Appreciate your streaming in. It's not a Mac-a-Mac affair today. John McMullen, my usual partner, is right now trying to get credentialed to get involved in the Dolphins and the Eagles. Yeah, not like it's question. He just needed to pick up his credentials and the like. So uh, no Johnny Mac today. I've got my buddy Rick Saratella from NFL Draft Bible in his stead. Uh, Ricky, how's your summer going? Hey, it's, I guess it's over, right? Football season's here. Uh, Johnny Mac with the, uh, the little trip to Miami down there. So good for him. And uh you know, we we are one week away until we get down to the 53-man roster. So a lot of uh, cut downs yesterday, and we'll see if uh, any candidates for the practice squad roster. But it's going to be some interesting decisions, I think, uh, looking around this Eagle squad. We'll uh, get to the Eagles cuts yesterday and how they're going to get to 53 and what these two practices and an exhibition game in Miami will uh, do as far as roster shaping for the Eagles. But before we do that, we got to do the roster shaping here at Jacob Media. Uh, give us the details on when this Rick Saratella show is going to start, what it's going to entail when you get the, the, the new bad boy show underway. 
Yeah, shout out to uh, the Krause boys, Joey and, and Xander, hooking this up. Ocean Casino, of course, my show is going to start here on the uh, Jacob Media Network on Monday, which is five days away. I get to follow two legends, the Mac and Mac show. And uh, they sandwiched me in between with, with the sports take at uh, noon. So I'll be on from 10 to 12. We'll be talking football, real football talk. Uh, no fluff here. And we'll always keep a pulse with the Eagles. We'll have Eagles guests. We'll have uh, national beat reporters with the Eagles opponents each each week, maybe each day. And then we'll uh, we'll take a look take a look at the national scene, both collegiately and the NFL. And uh, as you know, Jody always keeping tabs on the NFL draft three sixty five. Yeah, it's uh, that'll be here. Not quite as quickly as opening week of the National Football League, but before you know it, we'll get into the NFL draft. All right, so that's where I want to go with you first, the NFL draft. And the guys, the Eagles, will be keeping on their 53-man roster. I don't think there's any doubt that the guys they drafted this past year are all going to be here. The one guy who seems to be a question mark is Grant Calcaterra. And I don't think he's a question mark to make the 53-man roster. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. Maybe they do love Noah Tungiai that much that they're ready to move on. But if you track Howie, Howie Rose's track record... He does like to get draft picks right. He doesn't like to give up on draft picks. Oh, we'll get to Jalen Rager in just a second. But I'm just talking about the guys who were taken in this past draft. Hey, you think all Eagles draft picks are going to make this team. If, if Worst case scenario, they'll add um, Grant Calcaterra to the Tyree Jackson move yesterday, which was to put him on uh, the pup list, minimum of four games missed. Do you think Calcaterra's roster spot is in any kind of jeopardy because he hasn't been able to get onto the field? You know, it's interesting when we get closer to cut down day, sometimes these uh, mysterious injuries tend to pop up. So if they don't feel like Calcaterra is ready for week one, I could see him maybe going on the PUP. Uh, I don't think his roster spot is in jeopardy because they just used a sixth round pick on him. And this is a guy, let's remember, uh, before the concussions, when he was at Oklahoma, he was being talked about as a potential top 100 pick. And so I think he has the upside and the potential, along with Tyree Jackson, who I think if you look at Logan Thomas, he took a similar path. I think the Redskins or the commanders uh, redshirted him for a year uh, or two with an injury and, and put him on the PUP. So I think he's got another year to develop. Uh, I wouldn't expect much out of him, but this Noah Togiai, who I, I got a chance to see in person at Oregon State when he was coming out. Um, our scouting department at the NFLPA Collegiate Ball loved him. We brought him over. He made plays all, all week long. You can see he's a great pass-catching threat. Uh, so, But the, the problem is, so is Dallas Goddard. Goddard so is, uh, you know, Calcaterra. So I'm not sure. Togi, I, I, you know, who he, he has practice squad eligibility. I think you can probably put him down there. Uh, they're expanding to 16 roster spots. He knows the offense. So if another team does come calling, I think they have a good chance of keeping them in house. So the, the short answer, I guess, is no. I don't think Calcaterra roster spot is in jeopardy. I do think right now, though, he is clearly behind Jack Stoll. Understood. And uh, Stoll is what he is. He's a blocking tight end. It all comes down to what the Eagles want their backup tight end to be. No great surprise with the two picks, uh, the five uh, players that the Eagles put on uh, notice yesterday. Although shame on both myself and John McMullen. Neither one of us mentioned this here on the show. Uh, we should have 
Tyree Jackson, you knew he was going to be out for at least the first half of the season. So put him on PUP, four games minimum should have been an easy call for us to make. It was for the Eagles. Brett Todd, backup offensive lineman, same thing. Torn a MCL at the end of last season, nine-month injury. One going to be ready for the start of the season. So those two were kind of easy. But they did have to cut three other guys. Uh, as John correctly stated yesterday, last in, first out. Jared Williams brought in after the camp had opened up because they had issues with injuries, concussions to their left tackles along the offensive line. They just needed a camp body. Well, camp bodies get told, thanks for stopping by for a couple of days. We're going in another direction. That's what happened to Jared Williams and DeAndre Tony. Same thing. They had some injury issues in the backfield. I did get a couple of carries this past week in the uh, game against the Browns, but his days here were numbered. Josh Blackwell was the only one that uh, kind of surprised me. Here's where I'll tap into you for your uh, scouting report from last year. Undrafted free agent, but the Eagles gave him a couple of bucks on a guarantee to come in and compete. Apparently didn't compete well enough. That's why he's now an ex-Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, did you think Blackwell had a chance to perform better in Eagle camp this year? Oh, you know, I, I like Josh. Another player I had out at the NFL PA Collegiate Bowl had a chance to spend a whole week with him little bit wiry, thin frame, needs to bulk up a little bit, needs to get more consistent with this technique. Uh, weird stat, not, not sure how much it plays into the cornerback position, but he had one of the smallest pair of hands I've ever seen in evaluating a prospect. I mean, he had like seven and three-eighths inch hands, and I don't know how much of an a, a impact that makes in the evaluation process, but I remember that standing out to me because his body was just kind of a smaller physique, a smaller frame which, you know, doesn't mean he can't sustain and, and you know, put some pounds on and, and develop. And, you know, hey, that's why we have these developmental leagues. Maybe a, a Joshua Blackwell can go play in the XFL for a year and then come back and try again next year. The guy who seems to have moved up the depth chart a little bit is uh, Josh Job. He did play well the other day against Cleveland, another undrafted free agent. Uh, who seems to have opened up more uh, more eyes to the Eagles so far in camp. Uh, if he does miss this, make this team and is a guy who's actually going to get a chance to play, um, should a Josh Job been a draftable player, seeing his Eagles were able to get him after the draft was over and done with? You know, this is one of the players, uh, interesting enough that you bring this up, Jody, because we slapped a mid-round grade. I mean, I think I had a third or fourth round grade on Josh Job, and I never really got an answer or found out or discovered why he went undrafted. I, I never found out the reason for that. So I don't know if there was something there. I don't know if I missed on my evaluation. I don't know if the NFL missed on their evaluation, but I don't see how he doesn't earn a roster spot and uh, being SEC battle tested, he's had his fair share of competition. And, uh, you know, I saw some of the quotes. He said, it's just like Alabama had to come in, do the same thing, compete for my spot. But to me right now, I look at him as like the fourth cornerback behind McPherson and, you know, Bradbury, Slay, McPherson, uh, you know, Josiah Scott is a guy that is worth a mention here because he now is playing cornerback and safety. And I don't know how many players they're going to carry in that secondary, but Josiah Scott makes the uh, fifth cornerback spot and, and the fourth safety spot. Very, very interesting. And Scott, uh, you're right, is being cross-trained at both corner, mostly inside, and safety. 
And you know who did not look bad to me? Here's another guy I know I've never discussed with you before. Maybe we should have back uh, when he was draft eligible. But the guy they picked up the other day, Hugo Amadi, not to be confused with Rob Amadi, who's coming up on the show a little bit later on <laughs> this morning. Um, but he got in there after only a couple of days of practice, actually made a couple of plays. He's well down the depth chart. And if I were a gambling man, I would still bet against him being part of the 53. But how good a player was he coming out of college? Yeah, I mean, I think special teams is really where he got the scouts' attention, and that's going to be where he earns his keep here with the Eagles. And you're you're betting on the traits, right? Uh, the 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 physical traits, the athleticism, uh, the ability to to stay on the field, you know, for that special teams unit. So I agree with you. I think he's probably on the outside looking in as of today, but I think he's definitely a practice squad candidate for sure. All right, have you already uh, done your cutting and slicing uh, for this roster? From It's the big cut next. Uh, they'll do these joint practices. And, hey, I do believe the needle was moved a little bit with what did or didn't happen this past week. It wasn't that the Eagles had already made their mind that uh, I think at least the Blackwell uh, release was decided in part with what was done last week. Oh, this week – two joint practices and the game against the Dolphins will go a long way, specifically when we get down there to 56, 55, 54. Those are the toughest cuts of all as you get closer to the 53-man. Um, have you already done Howie Roseman and Nick Sirianni's work for them? Yeah, we just got off the phone, me and Howie. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think there's some interesting battles here that we've really got to uh, peel back the layers of the onion. And, and uh, you know, I was listening to you and, and, and Johnny Mac the other day about the Jalen Rager and, and Deion Kane debate. And I kind of uh, side with Johnny Mac there is, you know, if Kane isn't going to play special teams – you know, that's kind of a big deal when you're looking at your fifth wide receiver spot, because unless an injury happens, he isn't going to see the field. And to your earlier point where Roseman, maybe the ego gets in the way, spent a first round pick. I don't think they're going to cut Jalen Rager. Maybe, maybe they get a trade and, and Deion Kane stays on the roster. But right now there's a good chance, uh, if they cut Deion Kane, there's a good chance that somebody signs him to the 53 man roster. So I think that's probably the toughest decision that Roseman and Seriani have to make. And then the quarter, I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head with, with the Carson strong performance. I mean, they don't let the guy throw the ball in the preseason Reed Sinet, Meanwhile, I mean, beautiful pass to Devin Allen there. I think, you know, he's shown uh, that he has some real staying power here, Reed Sinet. So I think that they're going to carry three quarterbacks my gut feeling uh, maybe makes an inactive on game days and try to sneak Carson strong on that, on that practice squad. But man, they, they spent $340,000 on a signing bonus for an undrafted rookie free agent. And then they don't play the guy. So maybe he gets a showcase here against Miami. Uh, we shall see, but that, that third string quarterback spot uh, could be critical, especially, you know, you hear some rumors that maybe Gardner Menchu could be had, so definitely worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, um, this is one where I have to lean on my partner, John McMullen, and the other guys who carried uh, covered the Eagles day in and day out. Uh, I know you stayed loyal to Strong all last year because I had John often enough talking about the quarterback coming out in the draft, and you had him highly rated before the year started, and you did not move him down much, maybe a little, but not much, uh, that you thought he was definitely a draftable player. 
uh, Rick, from what's been reported, he just hasn't opened any eyes at camp. Camp practices are not the same as being in a game and playing against another team. You're right. I think that they woefully underused him to this point. One pass. He threw one pass in the first two games. Oh, by the way, it was pass interference. They didn't call. He should have. It shouldn't go down as an 0 for 1. It should go down as he didn't throw any passes because that play was called off for a penalty. Uh, but at least what the Eagle reporters who watch him day in and day out have said, he hadn't earned it in practice that he had, just hasn't been good. He hasn't thrown the ball well. He hasn't been able to uh, develop any rapport with any of his receivers. I, I don't even know that he's a lock to make the practice squad. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you invest that kind of money, you try to try to see the light. And, you know, the, the one issue I did have with Carson Strong, aside from the injury, obviously, was the maturity issues. And watching him at Nevada and when he threw a bad pass, you know, he might look at that wide receiver and show poor body language or get frustrated. And I don't know how that's translated over to his training camp performance. I'm not there. So that was the one issue. But yeah, uh, from what I read too, he can't hit the side of a barn. I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's in his head, if it's something mental now, but uh, at this point, you know, a change of scenery sounds like it could be the best for Carson Strong, but you know, that's what you do with these quarterbacks. I remember, I think the Eagles took a flyer on Jamie Newman, who's up there in the CFL now, but he was a highly regarded guy at one point, went undrafted. You, you roll the dice, you try to catch lightning in a bottle. Sometimes it works, sometimes not so much. Yeah, Carson Strong, to his credit, has made it longer than Jamie Newman did. Uh, the Eagles yeah. rooted him out pretty quickly. He was uh, uh, nothing last year in camp. And about the 300 and change thousand that they guaranteed for Carson Strong's uh, salary, going to do nothing as far as the cap goes because it's top 51 salaries and that's not going to fall uh, under it. And oh, by the way, if you're asking me to throw a pity party for Jeff Laurie because he's just going to be throwing away $300,000, the Eagles were evaluated yesterday at $4.9 billion. billion. That's not an M, that's a B billion dollars the 10th highest uh, most valuable franchise in the national football league so if how he got jeff to throw away three hundred thousand dollars <laughs> I, I i don't think jeff's gonna sweat it is my point i think he'll just go okay yeah you're not good howie let's get on to the next move we have to make all right here's our first move we're gonna take a time out here we've got two guests uh lined up for today's show two good ones uh, without our buddy, buddy Johnny Mack, who's already down in South Beach, getting ready for Dolphins-Eagles practice, scheduled to start around 9.30. I think uh, one of the coaches, either Sirianni or uh, Gannon or uh, Steichen, are going to talk to the media prior to the practice. They should get the joint practice underway at about 9.30. Uh, we will be joined by Mike Gill next from the Sports Pass 97.3 FM down the shore. Uh, Mike's going to hop on with us weekly during the season. He makes his Wednesday appearance coming up in uh, less than five minutes. And a little bit later, uh, we haven't had Rob Motti, the lead writer for the Associated Press, on in a couple of weeks. So it'll be good to get uh, Rob back into the mix. I'm Jody McDonald. With me today is Rick Saratella, whose new show on the Jacob Media YouTube channel starts next Monday following birds 365 so you want to be tuned for that you want to stick around with us for another hour plus here on birds 365 
plan your day with confidence. Definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand. And keep your family safe with action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Well over seven inches of rain. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising right now. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. On TV, on 6abc.com, and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you. Action News and AccuWeather, the team you trust. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. It's a Birds 365 Wednesday edition. We're down to Mac. Johnny Mac is uh, in South Beach uh, getting ready to watch the Eagles and the Dolphins do their joint practice thing. So I got Rick Saratella by my side filling in today. Even without his buddy John McMullen, Mike Gill said, I'm in. Now, you know, I'm going to be here with you guys once a week, Monday. Not a problem. I'm in for Wednesday, 820. And he looks rocked and ready to go. You ready to uh, dish the Eagle dirt there, uh, my Mike Gill? I am. I even moved my spot so it looks like I have the Ocean Casino behind me. That's a hey, good effort out of you. Whatever. Yeah. Look, they gave me a nice hat there, I mean, Jody. You live you in that what? house? They let you live in a nice house like that? Uh, yeah, they put me up. <laughs> Very good. Whoever's paying that tab, that's a nice little layout you got there. All right, speaking of layout, the Eagles will try and lay out against the Vikings today. Dual practices between the three of us. We've all been doing this for a while. So we don't remember. We, we can go back to remembering when joint practice scrimmage. Now, you don't scrimmage in the NFL. Nobody scrimmages in the NFL. But then a couple of teams did it to get some extra work in. Before you know it, became all the rave in the National Football League. How are the, How important are these next two practices, Michael? Well, I don't know how important they are for the success or failure of the team, but I think they're pretty important in the roster makeup, right? These are the things now 
that all of these teams have essentially told us are more important than these games that they're putting on television to generate a lot of revenue. They don't care about the revenue being generated, the coaches trying to put their roster together, and they're using these practices way more than these games are. I mean, you watch that game on Sunday or Saturday. Uh, what did they play? Sunday last Monday. week. And you realize they just don't care at all. I mean, they just don't care about those games. I mean, Jody, there was a time you talk about joint practices. In 1998, I was interning for you, setting up your show at Lehigh, and those guys were getting at it. And they were two-a-day in it, man. And they were battling to make that team. Now, they're using these practices in replacing those two-a-day practices, the chance to get out there against another team. Really, for these two days, it's these battles for, I don't know how many roster spots are up for grab, probably not too many, um, but these next two days are probably significantly more important than the game on, uh, what do they play, Saturday this week. They moved these preseason games. What happened to my Thursday night preseason, man? They moved them all over the place. Well, hey, Mike, thanks for hopping on. I'm not going to complain too much because they gave us almost a game every weeknight. We can watch some preseason football. But uh, you're talking my speed. It probably sounds like a foreign language to most of these players, two-a-days and three-a-days. But let me let me spin it on the opposite side for a second here because we all remember when Chip Kelly came into the league, half of the side was on the boom, half of the other side was on the bust. Is it going to work out? I'm looking at Mike McDaniel. I mean, I have not seen a more overrated head coach come into the league that has proven really nothing. Where do you kind of see this kid going? Uh, He's been called a hipster. Yeah. Does not look the part. But then you talk to some of the coaches around the league and they call him a brainchild, a genius. I kind of compare it similar to Chip Kelly. I think it's either going to boom or it's going to bust. I don't see an in-between here. You know, if you watch his interviews, what an interesting, like, I mean, he just is a bizarre, he reminds me a little bit of Tressman. Remember when Mark Tressman came from Canada to the Bears and he was like this brainchild offense and the way McDaniels gives these answers, you're almost like, do you even like football? How did you get involved in this game? I'm intrigued to see how it all looks. I mean, he's certainly a, um, Man, they've got some talent on that team, and it's similar to the Eagles where they've got a lot of talent, and the biggest question is, interestingly enough, the quarterback uh, that supplanted Jalen Hurts. I wonder how those conversations are. Like, are they buddies? Do they talk? Is it one of those things where you're just kind of head nodding them across the field? I'd love to know what their relationship is like, but I I guess you – McDaniels, look, it it could either be one of those things where this guy is – the right exact right person for that situation or we talk about a one and done kind of guy you don't see that too often in the nfl well mcdaniel may answer questions differently but the guy you were just talking about mike gives you such standard answers i don't think you can say you know the relationship between uh hertz and tua because jalen hertz is going to give you the same answer he always gives you oh, everything's good we're fine we're but we're he, he doesn't go in depth on anything. He's no. become and and most of them come Alabama out of Alabama this way, uh, well prepared to give you football pap and not give you any true insight. So the fact that McDaniel's a little weird, a little goofy, a little different than everybody else, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Now, if he falls flat on his face, what the hell were they doing hiring him? Oh, I'll do a 180. 
But until he falls know, on his face, I'm not going to project that he's going to fall on his face. You know, in Philadelphia, we like to grade the press conference. Oh, he won the press conference. He did a great job. I don't know that they do that all over the country, but we certainly will take whatever they say in a press conference here and then judge them whether or not they will be successful based on the 15 minutes they spent getting grilled by the Philadelphia media, which is unlike any anywhere else in the country. So uh, I'm sure that McDaniel's first day was filled with softballs from the Miami media compared to what it would have been like here and how he would have been judged. I mean, Sirianni, the first day he was here, got destroyed for his press conference. And he was that bad. Uh, yeah, do we overdo it here in Philadelphia? Always, but really, he really did have a pretty bad first uh, press conference. All right, Mike, um, this past week against the uh, Browns, even though, as you correctly stated, don't know how much the Eagles actually put into the evaluation. They did look pretty good running the football. First, yeah. uh, Boston Scott, right down the field, touchdown. Then Getty Gamewell comes in right down the field, touchdown. Eagles back up offensive line. Uh, some people have overstated a little bit this week that they could start, be better than uh, 30 to, uh, eight of the 32 teams around the National Football. That might be a bit of an overstatement, but they're the best back. I think the Eagles have the best starting offensive line, and I think they have the best backup offensive line compared to the other 32 teams. How many games before Nick Sirianni says, yeah, this whole passing thing. I know we gave A.J. Brown a lot of money, but we run the football better than we do anything else. We got to go back yeah. to doing it again. I don't think it's happening. Some people think it, it should happen week one. What's your read on if and when the Eagles go, yeah, we're a running football team? I said this a couple of weeks, I think, with you guys. is I don't know that they're going to throw the ball all that much more. They're just going to be, hopefully, more successful when they choose to throw. In other words, I think there's still going to be a team that can run the football at you whenever they feel like it, whenever they want to. But now when they take their shots, those shots are going to be much better options. And that will make their passing game that much more explosive because they're a team that does choose and is willing to run the ball so that they, when they do throw the ball, those opportunities are much bigger plays. I think you're going to see just bigger play. You got no big plays from the past game last year. They just had no downfield threat. Well, now you've got multiple threats. You've got three different guys who could probably um, lead team. You know, Goddard, I think, is going to have a huge year. I think it's weird. I said, how can I add up that Smith, Goddard, and Brown all have 1,000 yards? I don't know if that's approachable, but I just think big plays not are going to be Not there. if they're going to be a run-first team, Mike. Well, that's what I'm saying is I just think bigger plays will be there. So, in other words, like I think Smith, instead of getting these nine-yard plays, he could get 29-yard plays. I just think they're going to have bigger plays in their passing game than they did last year. So I don't know if they pass the ball more. I just think they have bigger plays in their passing game, and I still think this team is going to run the ball with the same success. And we saw even Gardner Minshew on uh, Sunday run a lot of RPO stuff. I mean, so if they're running RPO with Minshew, I would imagine – they're going to amp that up for Hurts even more. So I think that's a big part of their offense still. I don't know that the pass game goes to some 40 passes in a game, but I think the passes when they do elect to throw are just bigger plays, more space, bigger, uh, more opportunities in the pass game. Last year, it's amazing how much one guy adds 
And then it's almost like getting Bryce Harper back to your lineup and everybody bounces down one. You're like, man, this lineup's got more depth all of a sudden. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Well, now uh, Devonta Smith being the number two, now you're like, wow, who's going to guard that guy being a number two? That's what AJ Brown adds. Number two on paper, but it wouldn't re- it wouldn't surprise me if he leads this team in receiving because of how much attention is paid to AJ Brown. But I think you're right, Mike. That's why they went out and got a guy like AJ Brown. I think over the last four years, nobody has. Uh, more big plays of 40 yards or more. And it's it doesn't necessarily mean they have to air it downfield because he's as good after the catch as any wide receiver in the league as far as I'm concerned. But let me, let me go over to the defensive side. Uh, Jody was mentioning how they're going to be dependent uh, upon the run. Uh, I know stopping the run is a big issue that they're trying to improve upon going into the season. And I'm looking at this uh, backup safety spot now. Jaquiski Tart, he kind of thrives playing in the box and stopping the run. But Josiah Scott, we just talked about, has been cross-trained now to also play safety. We know Anthony Harris and Marcus Epps are entrenched there. So is this a case of uh, three into one, three into two? Jaquiski Tart, Kayvon Wallace, Reed Blankenship playing well? I mean, how many guys can realistically make this back end of the roster? Yeah, that's an area, Rick, where I wouldn't be surprised. We talked about this on my show yesterday where I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Corey Graham was a guy in the Super Bowl year. They just kind of kept bringing back like they had a familiarity with him and they just let him sit out of the training camps and then boom. All right, we'll bring you. That's a spot where I still think that there could be somebody that gets cut or that's hanging out out there that they bring in for depth because I still don't think they feel great with Tart yet. And the backup, uh, I, I think they like Scott. And there's one thing that Roseman and this organization still likes to kind of do is we always how he gets blasted for being smarter, outsmarting the room and trying to do. They like to find these undrafted guys and say, see, we found that guy and we made something of him. And Josiah Scott is a guy they traded for with. I think Jacksonville brought him in. And I think they like the fact that, hey, we found this guy and got something from him. So I wouldn't be surprised if they stuck with him. But we're scouring. Uh, when's the? Uh, they got to go from what eighty-five to fifty-three. What Tuesday next week? Okay, so yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they started to scour. That's not because I don't think Tart um, is the right fit for this. And you talk about the running game, Rick. I think you saw how different their linebackers played when Jordan Davis just was okay last week. The first game he took up space, and the linebackers cleaned house. I thought Davis didn't have as big of an impact on Sunday for whatever reason, and those those linebackers didn't have as much uh, driving lane to step in there and make those tackles. And this defense against the run is going to be predicated on him taking up blockers, I think, anyway, because they struggled against the run last year. Why? Because Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave are not two tackles who want to stop the run. They want to get upfield and rush the passer. So that safety position is going to be – Uh, pretty key, especially a tackler. So uh, I would expect another safety from outside the organization to still uh, be somebody they keep an eye on. I'll give you the reason that uh, 
Jordan Davis didn't do as much in week two as he did in week one, as much as it pains me to say. Jets offensive line isn't that good. The Browns actually do have a pretty good offensive line. Uh, So uh, give some credit to the opposition there. All right. um, Jalen Rager. Who? He uh, was a (laughs) Jalen Rager. We all know who he is. Uh, First round draft pick. Disappointment. Two years in. Um, Deion Kane looked good in the game, even if they didn't put much emphasis on it. He's looked good in practice as well. He played, made a play in the first game. Um, right now he looks like just a better football player than Jalen Rager. Yeah. And Rager's got return capabilities. He's done it. He hadn't busted anything. And like he does it well, he just has the capability of doing so. If they decide, no, we just have to keep the better fifth receiver and it is Deion Kane. What do you think Howie will pull the trigger on? Is there a trade that he won't make? Another team says, we'll give you a seventh. It's going to look pretty bad trading a first round pick for a seventh hmm. two years later. Uh, how high does the pick have to come in at for the Eagles to move Jalen Rager in a deal in the next seven? Now, that's a good way to put the question, Jody. How high does the pick have to be? It's almost like the same question for Dillard. What, what, how high would the pick have to be to, to part ways with a guy that you drafted in the first round. And, you know, the rigor thing is it's so surprising to me because I watched him at TCU a lot. I, I'm a big 12 guy. I went to West Virginia. So, man, he would catch punts and get shot out of a cannon. I mean, he would catch screen passes and just go. And that speed has just not translated to this level for whatever reason. And it certainly hasn't happened in the, in the return game, which is where he probably would help this team the most. The problem with Kane for me is, Jody, he doesn't play special teams. And two, when is he really going to play? I mean, is he just going to be Hank Baskett? Is he going to be Paul Turner? Is he going to be this uh, lineage of extra receivers when, that have when, – when is, when is Rager going to play? He's going to be – Okay, I'll buy that, but when is Rager? He'll be in the return game, something Kane doesn't do. So I think that's where he – Probably if you just – now you asked if I'm just taking the best fifth wide receiver. I think Kane probably offers more as a receiver, but that's not the way they build this roster, right? Am I wrong about that? You're probably not, but the I think, I think the uh, value of the fifth wide receiver is equivalent to the best returner the Eagles have right now because I think all their returners, let's be honest, suck. I, I don't agree. think they've got a good returner on this team. By the way, no. I agree with you, Jody, that Rieger has been disappointing as a returner. I'm not excited about him returning, but I don't think they have anybody else right now that they like more in that role. Now, you asked what would it take. I'd probably say they would do it for a fifth at this point. And I don't know that there's a fifth out there for him, but I don't know. There's an injury happen between now and the start of the season that gets somebody extra desperate. Uh, that's always a possibility. But – to put to put uh, uh, their former first round pick just out there for nothing, I, I don't think they're going to do that. I think a fifth is nothing, but in their mind, it's, oh, we got a fifth. You do it for a seventh, and that looks really bad. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think a fifth would get it done. I, I think John Ross uh, went for a fifth round yeah. pick when the Bengals gave up on him, and I think you're upgrading the team by keeping Kane. Uh, to Jody's point, Rager hasn't been a great returner, but if he stays, that's what he's going to be doing. Uh, let's Who's go him out in that role right now. Well, I, I'll give you the guy. What I want to see if I'm the Eagles and I'm going to get a fifth 
as Mike Gill just stated, maybe somebody gets drunk and gives them a four. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, they're looking for ways to get Kenneth Gainwell involved. Um, if Miles is is good to go by game one, Boston Scott makes plays. I don't want to see him get buried on the bench. Give Kenneth Gainwell a chance. Give him a chance. I'd put him back there for both punts and kicks, as a matter of fact. Hey, if they're willing to give him a look there, I think they would have done it by now. Well, I think, you know, it speaks to the depth of the running back position also, because then you run the risk of, of, of hey, your one, one B or your backup running back, he goes down all of a sudden, Boston Scott, who I like. And I would say when you take a look at the three-headed monster of the Eagles' backfield, I mean, one through three, you could stack them up and say they're as good as a, any three-back tandem around the league. But there's been a lot of smoke around uh, the running back discussion. The, the Eagles have kind of been kicking the tires on some guys. Uh, you saw, you know, K- Kareem Hunt. There was some rumors there. I see the, the chat room is clamoring for a bigger back, Mike. You mentioned they're going to monitor the waiver wire to add a safety Will they be monitoring the waiver wire? I know Kenyon Drake uh, got cut this week. Will they be monitoring the waiver wire for a running back? Yeah, Drake's a, a name that we had brought up yesterday on my show as well because he's the bigger guy. Catches the ball, too. 30 catches last year out of the backfield. Uh, so he's a guy who is a dual threat. I wouldn't be surprised, but I agree with you, Rick. I like Scott. Anytime someone's gotten hurt and they've said, you've got – they don't usually go to the second guy. They have Scott go from three to one. And he goes in there and you're like, man, this guy, all he does is produce. He doesn't, I don't think he's a productive guy over 17 games. He's just too small. He probably wear down, but as a spot guy here and there, and he's one of those guys much like, I don't want to say he's like Sproles, but when you're low to the ground and kind of squatty, those guys can get those in between the tackles yards. Um, and, and I think, Jody, you might have brought this up last week. Maybe, John, you know, on the goal line, the Eagles use Hurts a lot. Hurts, so, like, yeah. what's that? Yeah, it's Hurts. He, he's right. their big so back. Jalen Hurts is their big back. You don't turn around and hand it off all that often to somebody because they use Hurts in that role. So, Boston Scott has a knack of finding it. I mean, every time he plays the Giants, he has three touchdowns. And they're all within, like, a yard. So, I agree with you, Rick. I think they feel comfortable would they kick the tires on a Drake or a veteran bigger guy? Maybe. I, I mean, they got Jordan Howard on speed dial. If they need a back, they know Howard hasn't been signed by anybody, and they can go down that road. Now, I don't see him making a play for any other back. I think the backs they have here. I think they're yeah. hoping to get Kennedy Brooks to the practice squad, and he'll be the emergency, in case of emergency, break glass back. All right. Uh, instead, Mike, let's move to the tight end position. Grant Calcaterra showed up for practice Friday, right before the first preseason game. Didn't get a lot of reps, didn't get to show a lot. Uh, the Eagles used a sixth-round draft pick on him. Um, supposedly, he's a guy who can act, absolutely make plays, getting down the field and catch the ball. But uh, how do we know? And we haven't had a chance to see him, and this has been a lingering injury. Are they keeping him on the 53? Are they going to put him on the pup? If so, is uh, Noah Tungi done enough to be the backup tight end on this team? Will they keep three tight ends if they keep uh, Toth as well, at t- uh, stall a tight end? How is the tight end room going to shake out? Yeah. Uh, Tyree Jackson was interesting. Yesterday he got put on the pup, so he's out at least four games. He's probably the guy they're most interested in, right? I mean, he's a guy that uh, last year got one game 
caught a bunch of passes, scored a touchdown, and then tears his ACL. So uh, unfortunate, just a guy who's an athlete, uncomplete unknown, even more of an unknown than Cal Katera is, who is another guy that, hey, we drafted this guy late. So I'm imagining he's going to be somehow on this roster, whether it be pupless or uh, some capacity, they're going to try to keep him. And I think uh, Togi is a guy they probably like stole as a blocker. But my question is, how much do they use a second tight end? I mean, you got all these receivers, right? You got three, four, five guys you like at wide receiver. How much playing time is that second tight end really going other than short yardage? So that would tell me Jack Stahl is the best equipped guy in that role. So I think they keep two. And Stahl would be the second guy, and the other guys uh, that they like, Calcaterra, Jackson, they already did. They would probably be IR, PUP, some sort of way that they can keep them in the organization. You know, we talked about the uh, tremendous depth on the offensive line the Eagles have. Uh, the, the, the defensive line is also loaded, and especially yeah. at this defensive tackle position. But there's a guy down there that's really um, catching, turning some heads. Marvin Wilson, uh, this kid came out of Florida State. Again, at one point in his Seminoles career, he was being talked about as a potential first-round pick. Now, there was a bunch of coaching changes there in Tallahassee. Didn't really have a strong finish to his season. Didn't exactly test well. He's already been cut by one or two teams in the, around the league. But he's played very well. Uh, all, all reports indicate he's played well. I haven't seen it, but... Uh, does he have a shot here to make this roster? You know, Rick, we had this same discussion in terms of the depth at that position. How many tackles can you really keep? I mean, uh, you've got um, – you forget you have uh, Milton Williams, the guy they drafted last year in the third round, who's certainly making this team. you got Hargrave. you got Fletcher. You've got Jordan. So there's four guys there. Um, the kid from USC, uh, Marlon, uh, Marlon. – I mean – Everything I've heard about him is, wow, he and that he is more of the Jordan Davis mold, you know, a space eater, a guy who takes up blockers, not quite as athletic, obviously. But uh, Kobe Smith, if you watch the game Sunday, he got reps with the second team. And people are like, wait, who the heck is this guy? So they've got a ton of depth at that position. The question is, uh, and, and Marvin Williams is another guy that has a lot of talent that they seem to like. But how many of these guys can really make the roster? How many defensive tackles and much like the wide receivers. If I keep five of those guys, how many snaps are they really getting behind Fletcher Cox, Jordan Hargrave, and Jordan Davis? And then you got to find room for Milton Williams. And the other thing that plays into the tackle position is at least the old coaching staff like to do it. We never really got a look at it last year, but they like to use uh, Brandon Graham inside. Uh, flip-flop yeah. him and move him off the edge and throw him into the tackle position on passing downs. And if you're doing that, that's another defensive tackle. It's not getting on the field. So, uh, I sorry, Big Marv. I don't think you have any chance of making this football team. Maybe the practice squad, I don't know. But he's not making the 53-man roster. I don't think there's any chance there. I Again, we're, we're not a practice every single day. Johnny Mack gets a better look than we do. But um, we haven't had a chance to see – Hassan Reddick wreak any uh, havoc in an opposing team's backfield. He's just going to show up week one against the Lions and get Jared Goff twice? Is is that what we have to believe here, uh, Mike? Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what I – I don't think you're going to see them unleash any blitzes or exotic stuff with him, and that's 
you hope, right, the way they plan on using it. I, I talked about this the other day is when he's at practice, I might ask John on my show, what room does he go to? Is he in the linebacker room? Is he in the defensive end room? Is there like a hybrid room? Like what coach does he go to in his individual drills? Do they view him as a linebacker or no, he's an overhang. So, okay, what is that? Who coaches that guy? I, I think he's one of them guys that just kind of, Stands up, rushes the passer, changes sides, got to find out where seven is, and then he just kind of unleashed to kind of go. Um, so, yeah, Jody, in game one against the Lions, it's have at it, Hoss. Go after Jared Goff and see what happens. You know, um, he's one of these guys that, you know, in Arizona, they didn't know what to do with them, and then they kind of just said, hey, try this. And, you know, he jumps off with all these sacks. He goes to Carolina, has another good year. So, Two teams, two different defenses, he has got to the quarterback. So uh, I think that the word is out that he can get there. Now, is he an elite, elite pass rusher? No, but he's certainly better than anybody this team has had playing in that. They haven't had anybody play that position. They tried to use Avery, who just got cut by uh, Pittsburgh, I guess, you know, as a speed off the edge. They really haven't had that guy. So, yes, I do think in game one, Redick, you'll see a different uh, use of him. Yeah, I'm not going to worry too much about Hassan Reddick, but I am looking at the linebackers uh, again com coming down to the cutdowns. Tough decisions to make. Very suddenly, tough. you know, we were talking about how thin they were a year ago. Now, you know, Kaiser White, Davion Taylor, that looks like the weak side. Reddick and Patrick Johnson look like the strong side. You got TJ Edwards and, and Nicobe Dean there in the middle. I can't imagine they cut Sean Bradley. I love that, man. He's the junkyard dog, special teams, dynamo. Uh, are we saying goodbye here to Christian Ellis and Jacoby Stevens? I would think so. You mentioned Rick Bradley. He's a special teams guy, and their special team is not very good. He's the best they got, so he's got to stay. Um, Davion Taylor, I thought, had a rough day at the office on Sunday, but you know they really like him. Uh, in terms of his athleticism, I'm just interested to see how they use them. I thought it was pretty telling, though. Edwards and White, they're your starters. They didn't play on Sunday. The other guys were out there. They weren't. So I think that tells you those two guys get the uh, – and then it goes to, all right, if they get the majority of the snaps, how many is that? Is it 80%, 75%. When does Dean and Taylor get out there? Uh, you mentioned uh, Patrick Johnson. When does that group of guys – get any playing time with the talent, oddly, the talent they now have at linebacker. But I think it's clearly Edwards and White. Dean would be the next guy. I don't know how they incorporate Taylor. That should be pretty interesting. But that room has all of a sudden uh, got a lot more depth and explosion and playmaking. They got playmakers, Jody, at linebacker. It's been a while. I, I have to scratch my memory to remember when the Eagles had playmakers at linebacker. All right, Mike, because everyone is uh, concerned with the roster cut down, who's going to be here, who's not, we are here on Bird 365 anywhere. They're talking Eagles, your show, down the shore. Jalen Hurts is kind of floated into the background for yeah. this entire offseason. All we talk about, Jalen Hurts, is he the quarterback? Are they going to give him $40 million a year? Why are they not uh, drafting quarterback? Get Zaratel on the phone. Find out who the best quarterbacks in the draft are going to be. And he's become kind of the forgotten guy because they have to do everything else but the quarterback position because we know he's going to be the starter. As soon as the first game goes, the spotlight is going to uh, regenerate right on to the Eagles quarterback. How long is it going to take this year before we know that 
okay, this is the guy. Howie, get ready. You're going to have to get a contract done with this guy or oh, yeah, man. get Sarah Teller back on the phone. We got to find out about the quarterbacks in the draft. Is it going to be a month? Is it going to be eight weeks? Is it going to be week 17 while we're watching him get ready for a playoff game, but doubt him that he's going to be able to go into L.A. and beat the Rams? How long is it going to take before we know Jalen Hurts is or isn't the man for the Eagles? Well, in the fans' mind, it'll be based on how the first quarter of the first game goes, right? That's how it works in this town. Uh, you know, the Phillies are getting no hit last night. Uh, Thompson needs to be fired. Why is he playing Sosa? And then they come back and win the game, and it's like, ah, oh, you know. But Genius, no, I think, give an uh, extension, yeah, right? Yeah, I think um, with Hertz, I don't know. Do you guys feel that? I feel that the team wants him to be the guy. Like they don't want to keep going through this. So I think they legitimately like the kid. The team likes the kid, meaning the players, his teammates. So I think the team is legitimately hoping that he is the guy which would then give you a longer leash, would it not? So I, I would think he gets a full season unless, my God, unless he's just holding them back so much, much like Wentz did in 20, 2020 when he was just so bad they had to sit him. They just couldn't keep throwing him out there. I think that's the leash that Hurts gets, like – the Eagles wanted Wentz to be the guy. He just was so bad they had to sit him. I think it would be similar with Hurts. Where they want him to be the guy, he would have to be so bad for them to decide because they know they have picks. They know they have Minshew. And at that point, if they're still kind of hanging around 500, I think that would be disappointing. But, hey, we got six weeks left. We got a shot to make a run. We got to make a change, man. We tried. So probably about 10 to 12 weeks, somewhere in that range. Uh, let me just uh, – I'll give you my hot take of the morning here. I'll go on record before the season kicks off. By the end of the year, we'll be talking about a 35 to $40 million a year contract for Jalen Hurts because look at how they've set him up for success. Is there really a better supporting cast for any quarterback? You mentioned Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard. As good as it gets right there. The offensive line, arguably the best in the league. The running game, strong. The yeah. defense, solid. I mean, Jalen Hurts, he doesn't make bad decisions. He would have to completely fall on his face. I think you're talking about a guy that passes for 25 touchdowns, runs for another 10. He's probably not a 4,000-yard passer. He's not the best quarterback in the league, but he's probably better than almost the other half. So I think he's right there in the middle of the pack. And let's be honest, finding a franchise quarterback is not easy. When you have a guy that prepares and trains like Jalen Hurts, he's a true professional. I think he's going to, I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be the problem of this Eagles team. And I don't know if you want to follow up on that. No, I agree with you, Rick. I, I, I happen to think that, I got into it all offseason. I said, I'm not a huge proponent of just like what San Francisco did. They just gave up the whole draft to go get the number two pick to draft a quarterback who, I don't know, did anybody think Trey Lance was going to be this difference-making quarterback that's going to change your whole franchise? Maybe, maybe not. I feel like these teams are chasing a ghost that just doesn't exist, a franchise quarterback. They're just not out there. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they come around once a generation and everybody sells their soul to go try to get one. 
I don't think the Eagles need to do that. I think they're going to have a guy that's going to keep them in the mix, and they have the supporting cast. We've seen, oh, in this town, a supporting cast greater than the quarterback help them win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that's a recipe to do it every single year, but it will keep you in the mix enough that you might be able to get one, which I think we should be pretty happy with. If, if I told you Jalen Hurts won one in 10 years, you probably should be pretty thrilled. Ricky, the way you laid it out and kind of talked up uh, everything around Jalen Hurts, I only got one question for you. Are they going 13 and four or 14 and three? Because you were selling it pretty good there, buddy. Uh, I, I, I like the Eagles coming into the season. I think they're going to win a division. I'm on 11, and I, I'm at least leaving the possibility of getting up to 12. You sounded to me like you think they're going to be better than that. Well, I mean, I think I think they should sweep the Giants. They should split with Washington and, and, and Dallas. That puts them at four and two. If they go six and five the rest of the way, I think it's a double-digit win team. I think they can max out at 11. But to me, this is the NFC East front runners. I know Vegas doesn't see it that way, but I do. I think they're going to win the NFC East. I think they're going to host a playoff game. And they got to do better than, you know, falling behind 31 nothing at halftime to the Bucks. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, people too, like, there are really good quarterbacks out there. Justin Herbert is one of them who – as good as he is, they haven't been in the playoffs. You know, like just having that guy and selling your soul for that guy, it then handcuffs you sometimes in other ways where there are lesser quarterbacks who have done more than some of the more talented guys. Um, Joe Burrow is an excellent quarterback, but he also walked into a situation where look at the team that they were able to put around him because they've been so bad for so long that they were able to get all these picks. And then he walked right into a great situation. That doesn't happen too often where the quarterback comes to a team and he's got pieces. He's usually the first piece. So Cincinnati was so bad and they kept missing, missing that they got all these other things. And then Burrow walks in. Well, Herbert, who has been just as good, if not better than Burrow, hasn't been able to get that team to the playoffs yet. So just getting this, this quarterback doesn't change your fortunes all the time immediately. Peyton Manning, um, you know, that only happened like one time when a guy went from the worst team in the league then all of a sudden they're the best team in the league. That doesn't generally happen out there. A um, couple of things. Number one, you got to give Burrow more credit than that. You talk about what they had. They got the worst offensive line in football. True. One of the worst. And they went to the Super Bowl last year. He was getting killed. He was yes. running for his life every single play. That's, that's wide receivers. But uh, he, he, the, the offensive, they had to redo their whole offensive line this offseason. So give Burrow credit for what Oh, no, I like Burrow, and he was excellent. But he had my point is he had some weapons to help him in the pass game. Their defense was much better, too. Their defense was, was very good. Not elite, but they changed their defense. Uh, they had much better personnel defensively. Their line, you're absolutely right about that. But he had some amazing – I mean, he's got three guys that are just outstanding. Their running game's – you know, they got good backs that catch the ball in the backfield. Their line was terrible last year, though. That, that's why I, I give him as much credit as I do for their success uh, last year. All right, uh, Mike, last thing uh, for me. We got uh, dual practices the next couple of days and then uh, the game on uh, Saturday. Don't know how much the starters are going to play for either of these two teams, but we should see a pretty good amount of them the next couple of days in practice. Tua, franchise quarterback or no in Miami? No, no, not uh, at you're, all. You're, you're a Tua hater, huh? 
Oh, I just I was not a big you know tank for Tua again. I don't look at this quarterback. I I did not see him as a guy that was going to change a franchise. Too small, gets hurt too much. Now, if Tua was a bigger guy and can handle the workload, maybe um, you know not accurate enough of a downfield thrower. Um, no, not a Tua. I don't know that. Look, again, like Hurts, can you win some games because they have talent around them? Yeah, they might. I mean, he's a winner. Um, but not a franchise quarterback. Is is Tua not a winner? No, I said he's a winner. No, you said uh, you you were referring to Tua not uh, Jalen. Yes. No, I said oh, he's okay. a winning he's a winning player. Um, you know, I don't look at him as uh, like. Um, oh man, like uh, you know, Mariota was a guy who came into the league and had some success early. Had a lot of college success and got drafted number two overall, but. I, I never looked at him as like this winning player. Like, you know, Tua, I, I feel like as a guy who I look at is, hey, like when Wentz first came to the Eagles, I remember being like, this kid just guts it out. You know, I can't see a team being 5-11 and 11 with this guy because he just competes. And I don't know where that, where that left him. I don't know if the injuries just mounted up on him but I look at Tua similar where he's a guy that I always feel competes hard he's just a smaller guy and I just feel like because of that he's just not going to be this franchise elite quarterback all right last one for me Mike uh I don't know how much of the hard knocks phenomenon you tuned into but uh I have they, seen none I have I do not have HBO okay well they are the media darlings here of the preseason people yes. are drinking the Dan Campbell Kool-Aid obviously against the Eagles week one Jody alluded to uh the the Brown strong offensive line you could argue after the Eagles maybe the Lions might have one of the best offensive lines in the league uh and I apologize if they asked you this last week I wasn't here but I know Macman thinks it's a blowout. We can uh, kick up the recliner at halftime. It'll be a double-digit lead, and uh, the Lions have no shot. I tend to think this is going to be a game where the Lions are looking to make a statement. I do believe it's on the road. I think it's going to be competitive. The line is right around three or four points right now. So uh, what's your take here for the week one score? Yeah, I, I that Lions team – you know, we thought, oh, they fought hard all year long. They were in a lot of games, except for the one against the Eagles. The Eagles blew their doors off last year. That was one game where uh, between Philly and Detroit and uh, who they played, oh, Atlanta in the opener, that they just absolutely dominated. But I think, you know, I think the Lions are definitely much more uh, talented this year. You're in the second year of the coach. Uh, you're right. The line uh, is much better for them. They got um, – you know, Williams is out, so they're not going to have him. But they've got a couple weapons. Um, Hawkinson is a good tight end. The Eagles have had problems with tight ends. We'll see how that changes with the new linebackers. But I don't think your feet are up by halftime, Jody. I think you grind this one out and maybe a 10-pointer late in the game. A late score separates you by 10. I like Dan Campbell. I'm a Dan Campbell guy. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid on Dan Campbell, being the kind of guy you want to root for. Yeah. Lions aren't good enough. They're not a talented enough football team. Eagles will be up double digits at home and cruise in the second half. Go ahead, put the money aside, make your bet for week number one. Do it before uh, the line goes up because the line will go up because the Eagles uh, will cruise week number one against the Lions. Uh, Mikey, we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for hopping on with us today. Appreciate it, bud. All right, guys. Have a good day.
Thank you, Mike. Mike Gill from the Sports Bash down the shore, 97.3 FM. All right, he's Rick Saratella. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll take a timeout. A couple of more things I want to run by Ricky. Uh, and then uh, Rob Motti from the Associated Press. We haven't had the Motti man up in about a month, so I'm looking forward to talking to him on Birds 365. your day with confidence definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand and keep your family safe with action news and accuweather numerous tornadoes well over seven inches of rain your go-to team when severe weather strikes the water is still rising right now keeping you prepared wherever you watch on tv on 6abc.com and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you. Action News and AccuWeather, the team you trust. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Number two on a Wednesday edition of Birds 365. We're counting down to joint practice. As a matter of fact, the Eagles and the Dolphins get underway in less than half an hour from now. John McMullen is down there. That's why Rick Saratella is here with me. Uh, today is day 18, uh, Ricky. That means 18 days till the opener against the Lions, which in case you didn't hear me last segment, send it in. The Eagles win easy week number one. And in part, that's because I think the Eagles are going to have a damn good team this year. But in larger part, 
the Lions can look real good on hard knocks and uh, Coach Campbell can come up with uh, exciting emotional quotes. The bottom line is just not a good enough football team to play with the Eagles. So go ahead and send it in. They're going to win uh, week number one. Um, but I do want to ask you about uh, a couple of Eagle guys coming into this upcoming season, specifically their two rookies from Georgia. Uh, they go out and take Jordan Davis in the first round, trade up to get him, get in position to grab him. We know they're going to throw him right into the deep end of the pool. He's going to be a situational substitution guy, but when you have Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave already as your starter and a pretty good second-year player, Milt Williams, they didn't. Uh, he's not expected to go in because at Georgia, he didn't play three downs. He was a situation substitution guy there too. Uh, so they're not going to just uh, play him every single down. How big an impact is he going to have year one, game one, right off the bat? How does Jordan Davis change the defensive line, if at all, for the Eagles, Rick? No, he's an X factor. And we saw it in that first game where he he takes up space. He commands attention. He can allow the run uh, linebackers to run around him and through the gaps and plug the holes. So, hey, he didn't play more than 60, 70 percent of the snaps at Georgia. So I look, uh, take a page out of the Fletcher Cox rookie playbook. I mean, he played 50 percent of the snaps his rookie season. I see a similar role. To Jordan Davis, it's probably going to be in, in run situations. He's going to continue to develop his pass rush. We probably won't see him much on third downs. But I think it also makes Fletcher Cox a better player because he doesn't have to play as many snaps either. And so when you when you throw him into the mix with Hargrave and you can rotate those three guys, you can call on Milton Williams if need be. Uh, to me, I think it's a significant upgrade. I think he's going to make a lot of plays. It won't always necessarily show up in the box score, but when you have a guy that is that big, that athletic, uh, I think Jordan Davis is going to play a big impact. And I think his, I think his role increases as the season wears on. So maybe the first uh, few games he's playing thirty to forty percent of snaps. By the end of the year, I could see fifty to sixty percent. And uh, you're right. It, it, if you think that he's coming in and getting 12 sacks as a rookie, not happening. He's not that type of a player. That's not what his job is going to ask him to do. But if it's on Reddick's getting his sacks and Josh Sweat is getting his sacks, uh, don't kid yourself. In part, that's because they're uh, focusing on Jordan Davis in the middle of the line. You get one-on-ones on the outside. That's when the Eagles pass rushers have to be able to get home and get sacks. All right. Uh, in the behind Jordan Davis, is Nicobe Dean, who played behind him at Georgia and had the phenomenal year that he did last year. I couldn't believe he fell all the way to the third round. Uh, the, the undersized knock against him, I don't buy for a second. I think he's going to be able to play on the National Football League with his size. The reason why he might not be a big contributor year one is, yeah, Kazir White has come in and looked dynamite. Uh, D.J. Edwards grabbed the starting spot last year and was the Eagles' best linebacker for the last 10, 12 games of the season. It, they don't need the Kobe Dean to come in and be a major contributor year one. Will he be able to fight his way into that linebacker mix and get reps here in his uh, first season as an Eagle? Yeah, I don't know if he's going to fight his way into the rotation because I think it's pretty clear cut. The veterans have the upper hand here, and I think this is what you really want from a mid-round, third-round pick. Uh, I believe is, you know, he doesn't have to be rushed into the lineup. He gets to sit back, watch how these guys conduct themselves, learn the playbook. And if he's ready, he'll get in there. I just think that they're going to take a wait and see approach. I think he's had his share of 
ups and downs, uh, it sounds like, during the, the training camp. But, I mean, how do you argue with T.J. Edwards? He's just been a, a, a staple, a, a rock of consistency here. Uh, Kaiser White, I mean, they paid him uh, good money for a reason, and he led the Chargers in tackles. So uh, no need to rush him in, but I think what you have is down the line, somebody becomes a free agent, uh, they get squeezed with the cap, they got to extend Jalen Hurts. Well, hey, you've got a starter in waiting that's being groomed to kind of take that step down the road. And it, again, it just goes back, you know, the good teams around this league are too deep. It's the teams that don't have the depth that don't make the playoffs and outside of safety. I mean, the Eagles have depth almost at every position. So I think it bodes well for Philadelphia. I do too. And uh, again, uh, he's a guy who's actually going to play some in the game on Sunday. The one thing that the Eagles have shown here in the preseason is that if you're a rookie, you got to stay in there. It will be very, Oh, I wish Johnny Mack were here because I got to give him his props. When uh, Kelsey went down uh, before the first preseason game, I said, you may just see Juergens with his offensive line buddies for the first series and then get him off the field. They kept Juergens in there. He played uh, significantly more than Lane Johnson or uh, Mylotta or anybody else because he's a rookie. So they're going to play rookies again this week. So uh, maybe uh, Dean gets a chance to make a couple plays and open some eyes and force himself into the lineup. I'm going to be interested to see if they play Marcus Epps at all. Now, uh, both Johnny Mack and I are Epps fans, and we were before this season started. Uh, he actually opened both our eyes last year and said, hey, this guy's going to be in the mix for safety next year. Not only is, in, is he in the mix, he's probably their number one safety. Is that because he is that good or because – the Eagles really don't have a strong number two or three or four safety. Um, how, how do you rate Marcus Epps at this time uh, starting the season as the Eagles number one safety? Yeah, I think he showed glimpses of, of his potential a year ago and much like Jalen hurts, you know, Marcus Epps is a notorious hard worker. First one in last one out. Uh, I know the staff has called him the hardest working player on the team And when you prepare that way, well, hey, practice, right? We're talking about practice. He's made improvement. He's a younger player. I think he is going to take that next step and kind of be the top safety there. So uh, I would imagine he's not going to play much, if any, against the Dolphins. I want to see more Reed Blankenship. I want to see what this young man can do. Uh, Can he work his way into the equation? And the San Jose State kid, Chacher, has been making plays here and there. I don't think he has a shot. But I would, I would imagine Kayvon Wallace is the guy on the bubble. I think he needs to come up with a big performance here against Miami. That's fair. Uh, did you like Blankenship coming out this past year in the draft? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think I told this story. He had the same coach at Middle Tennessee as Kevin Bayard, an all-pro for the Titans there. And I remember about halfway through his sophomore season, the coach hit me up and said, hey, I got a guy here. And he's further along than Bayard uh, is at this stage of his development. And uh, Blankenship ran into some injury woes, you know, uh, for a year or two. Didn't really have a strong senior season. I don't think he got the combine invite and then kind of flunked the pro day. But you put on the film, he always showed up around the football. He had a a ball hawk uh, nose for the football instincts. And, yeah, I think they found a diamond in the rough here. If he doesn't make the roster, I mean, he's got to be 
a strong pra- practice squad candidate. Uh, he is. He actually played for one of the few guys. They ran a lot of guys out there in the second half against the Browns. And I know it's second team and gets a third team against the fourth team against fourth team. So you have to judge it through that light. Uh, but the Eagles youth in the defensive backfield didn't really do all that much or wow me. Blankenship at least made a couple of plays. Joe made a couple of plays. Didn't make them all, but he made a couple of them. So uh, I'm with you. I think I think he's going to be an eagle one way or the other. I don't think he's going to make the 53, but I think he's probably going to be on the practice squad. All right, one other guy that uh, John and I have talked about plenty, and I don't know that you and I have when we've had the chance to do this together, and that's Zach Pascal. Uh Eagles signed him during the offseason. No one was surprised because – even when he was still a member of the Indianapolis Colts, Nick Sirianni used to reference him all the time for whatever he'd like to revisit. Here's what Zach Pascal does as well as he does. Coach, why don't you give us examples about the Eagle players? He's referencing guys he used to coach. So the first chance they had a chance to grab him up as a free agent, they brought him in here. His Colts numbers don't jump off the page at you by any stretch of the imagination. He's looked pretty good. He looks like he's more than just a blocking wide receiver that Nick Sirianni likes because he, quote-unquote, plays the game right. Um, he's actually made a couple of plays. How do you get your uh, fourth wide receiver, if you believe that uh, Quez Watkins is still going to be number three behind Watson and Brown? How do you get your fourth wide receiver involved, and um, how is Sirianni going to get creative, along with Shane Steichen, to get something out of a guy like Zach Pascal? Yeah, a guy, again, he prepares like a true pro. He's just a consistent guy that shows up, puts in the work. He's not going to wow you or, or jump off. Uh, you know, he did, I think, coming out of Old Dominion, uh, I think he did run pretty well. But, you know, I think here what you have to do is kind of let him back up all those guys. You know, he could line up inside. He could line up outside. Sometimes injuries have a funny way uh, of taking care of who gets on the field. But I think he can kind of slide into either one of those roles if need be. And, yeah, you're right. He's he's not going to probably be in the top three, maybe even not in the, in the top four in receiving. But if somebody goes down, this is a guy you can plug and play and feel pretty good about it. So um, I like the addition. I, again, it's about accumulating that depth. And Zach Pascal is, is going to be a nice little weapon here for Jalen Hurts, a security blanket underneath. All right. Uh, one last thing uh, that I do want to bring up with you, and then I'm going to bring it up with Marty as well. And if someone wants to alert John McMullen that I'm questioning him when he's not here, or I questioned him yesterday, so I can question him again today too. John, for my uh, own edification, went a little overboard in critiquing the Eagles about not being innovative that Nick Sirianni was brought in here to be an innovator over at Doug Peterson. He wasn't tremendously innovative last year, but he was successful. They made the playoffs when most people didn't think he was going to make the playoffs. He won uh, nine games and took a powder in the last game when Coach Peterson had only won four the games before. And I thought it was a little a little heavy-handed on a critique of Nick Sirianni and his offense. Yeah, they don't run a lot of motion. They're last, dead last in the National Fo- Football League in motion. Are the Eagles lacking innovativeness in offense for you, Rick Saratella? I'm going to reserve my judgment and, and to be determined because, I mean, he's only had one season. Uh, you know, it was an adjustment and a, a, a transition. And so um, 
look at you you mentioned Dan Campbell and just watching some of the hard knocks what a what a renowned sense of confidence he has after and he had a shot as an intern with the Dolphins a, a while back but he he'll be the first to tell you he's a new man now and I think that the same thing with Sirianni they, they, they were questioning him that first half of the season who is this guy does he belong here and he was probably questioning himself uh right and, and then he made the team the playoffs he got the team in the hunt and so I think he comes into this season feeling a little bit more secure maybe he opens it up a little bit more uh yeah you know was it lacking creativity I guess you can state that argument but I would say with the personnel that they have we talked about a three three-headed running back committee weapons at every uh offensive position I'm not sure you need to put A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith in motion. Uh, you know, you want to move around Quez Watkins and do some end arounds or reverses. Hey, sure. But, I mean, how many times a game do you try trick plays? So, I don't know. I mean, I think I think we're nitpicking there, to be honest. I think you've got to really give them another year to wait and see and make that determination. I don't like when people hedge and you hedge, but – it's actually legit because, yeah, it, let, let's give them at least a second season before we go, where the hell's the innovation? Um, and by the way, not everybody in a league runs RPOs. Everybody has some. The Eagles run a higher percentage than most other teams. Why? Because they've got Jalen Hurts. They should run that many more RPOs because they've got a quarterback that can actually pull the ball back and if need be take off and make plays with his legs. So – that's innovative as compared to the rest of the National Football League. And I think you got to give Sirianni at least that much credit for using his guy the way he can best be used. All right. Uh, we're coming back. We're going to take a quickie timeout. Rob Motti of the Associated Press, their lead NFL writer, writer is going to jump aboard with us here on Birds 365. your day with confidence definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand and keep your family safe with action news and accuweather numerous tornadoes well over seven inches of rain your go-to team when severe weather strikes the water is still rising right now keeping you prepared wherever you watch on tv on 6abc.com and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you action news and accuweather the team you trust. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. Jody Mack, we're Tele in for John McMullen. And joining us is our buddy Rob Motti from the Associated Press. Uh, Rob, first things first, uh, condolences from all of us here at the Jacob Media YouTube channel and me personally. Uh, I know you lost your dad last week. Also know how spiritual a guy you are and uh, how uh, difficult a time it was for you. You got to know your dad's in a better place these days. Again, our condolences. Thank you, Jody. I appreciate that. And I've had so much support, man, from so many people. It's uh, it's pretty amazing to see how, uh, the outpouring of love and, and comfort from everybody, whether it's just strangers on social media to people like yourself who I've known for over 20 years. So thank you for that. No problems. Uh, quick question on dad. He was a fan of who? Who was your father <laughs> rooting for? Who's going to be watching Sundays up above? Uh, uh, he 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 was a fan of whatever uh, I was covering, so I tell him wherever I'm at the game, and, and, and he'd let me know. So it was pretty it was pretty neat to to be down here in Tampa and tell him, you know, I'm 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 at the I'm at the Buccaneers watching Brady and and stuff like that. So it, it was really cool. He he got it he got it uh, excited about that. Well, Rob, hey, uh, I recently lost my dad, and I know it's uh, a painful experience. So, hey, thanks for taking the time to talk to us two bozos this morning. That's <laughs> greatly appreciative. Uh, I don't think we've actually crossed paths or met, so uh, excited to pop you on here because I have watched your work from afar, and I have a lot of respect and appreciation for all the different hats that you wear. Um, I want to go back, though, to a couple weeks ago. I, I think you were out in Canton. And to me, the Hall of Fame football experience, any fan out there who's listening and hasn't made that trek or journey out to the Hall of Fame weekend, to me, it's one of the best, if not best experience that any fan can have. Obviously, Dick Vermeil uh, getting some Eagles fans excited, but just take us through that week. What were some of your takeaways there? Well, Rick, great to talk to you. And uh, yeah, that Hall of Fame week, man, it was pretty special. It was actually my first time there. So I had not I had not been to uh, Canton yet. I still haven't been to Cooperstown, and and as of now, I'm still a baseball Hall of Fame voter. So I don't know when they'll kick me off of that, but I got to get to Cooperstown before I stop voting. But I do not vote for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But I, it, it was a beautiful opportunity. You know, I went there thinking that this was like an old historic type town where it takes you back to the '70s and the '80s, and and. I got there and, and I was blown away by how the newness of everything. You know, you could it's restaurants, stores, whatever it is, they got everything there. And then when you get to the Pro Football Hall of Fame Village, 
I didn't realize how kid friendly it is. So I told my wife that I'm, I'm going to bring her and and my daughters next year because they're actually building a water park uh, uh, right there in that in the village. I don't know if it'll be ready quite yet next year or the year after that. So that whole experience was beautiful. And then obviously on Saturday, the induction ceremony. Um, I, I, I'm glad they saved Dick Vermeil for last because we knew that he was going to flow past that eight minute mark. And boy, did he, he went to 23, 24 minutes, but he held it together. He, he didn't cry until 21, 21 and a half minutes when he finally talked about his wife, Carol, but uh, it, it was a beautiful experience. And, and I would, I would highly recommend it like to, just to go through there, man, just to see a Nick Foles Jersey hanging between Joe Montana and Tom Brady. I don't even know what the exhibit was. I was so blown away that here's Nick Foles' jersey. There's Joe Montana's. There's I didn't even read to the bottom. I just took a picture of it. I'm like, it's, it's Foles. How, how's that happen? That's so cool. Um, and for our uh, – if we got a Kansas City Chief fan amongst all these Eagle fans watching us on Birds 365, no, both of you guys have had a tough year with the passing of your dad's. Um, Kansas City Chiefs fans lost a Hall of Famer earlier this morning. Um, Len Dawson uh, passed away. Uh, Hall of Fame quarterback, also Hall of Fame broadcaster. He got the Pete Rozelle Award um, about 10 years ago and was inducted as a broadcaster as well. And I'm old enough to remember Len Dawson when he did quarterback the Chiefs. Maybe not the beginning of his career, but when he did take him to a Super Bowl. But I knew Len Dawson much better as a broadcaster on HBO's Inside the NFL. That that was cutting edge stuff at the time. It's so funny because if Len Dawson had to try and do what he did back then now, they'd laugh him off the stage because he just wasn't a hot take guy. He wasn't ready to kill people verbally. No, he just gave you good football insight and it made him a Hall of Fame broadcaster and God bless him for it. And uh, for you Kansas City Chiefs fans out there, Len Dawson fans out there, um, we lost one of the all-time greats. A, a guy who was uh, a Hall of Fame player, both on the field and as a broadcaster. Yeah, and you know what struck me this morning, Jody? Just looking at some of the, the pictures that are put out there, there's one in particular of Len Dawson sitting on a sitting on a bench in full uniform, cigarette in his hand, and a, a and a bottle of beer on the floor. And, and and I thought, like, can you imagine right now, 2022, a football player with a, a cigarette in his hand and a bottle of beer? Like, how many fines? How how suspend? Like, what happens if that? Ha but I. I guess I don't know. You would know better than me. Was that the norm? Like, are they they sneaking away on the sideline during games and and puffing on a cigarette back in? in yeah, the I, when I saw that, I was thinking clubhouse. I was thinking locker room. I wasn't thinking on the field. I oh, okay. I think it was after the game. It's you're right. It's an iconic photo. Yeah. He just had taken a serious drag off that cigarette with a beer between his legs. I, I'm guessing it was post game. I think okay. it was in the locker okay. room, but I don't know that for sure. 
I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. But it, it's just it, it's it's a sign of the different eras, right? Because even now you wouldn't you wouldn't see that unless it's Joe Burrow and 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 a cigar <laughs> post game, which is a little bit different of a type of celebration. But that that's just the 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 difference in, in what we're talking about here from the from his era to this era, and as you mentioned, his style of broadcasting and how hey, he was a Hall of Fame player, but a Hall of Fame broadcaster as well is pretty impressive yeah i'll say uh len dawson and nick bonacani you know fans might not realize this but you actually had to wait the entire week to get your nfl highlights they weren't just readily available to you that night and um you know they did as good a job as anybody and really paved the way for for us here today and uh you know len dawson super bowl four uh 1969 jody a good year for you i know and um, yeah, he'll be missed. He'll be remembered. And somebody who I think probably is one of the forgotten legends. He doesn't get his due respect. He made, I think, six Pro Bowls and uh, led the Chiefs a, a big time and era when the AFL and NFL were merging. So uh, yeah, Len Dawson, uh, we will miss him. But let's shift gears to uh, Miami Dolphins because the Eagles are, are scrimmaging there today. And I know you've got your finger on the pulse on the national scene, being an AP guy, Rob, I, I asked our previous guest, Mike, here today, is, is Mike McDaniel the most overrated head coach we've ever seen? I mean, I got to be honest, I never even heard of the guy when he got hired, and we're making him out, we're anointing him to be this great genius offensive mind. It seems like everybody's trying to find the next innovator, the next Sean McVay. Uh, are you in or out uh, on Mikey McDaniel? Yeah, I'm certainly not in yet. Uh, guys, I, I thought that that was um, somewhat of a, a stretch of a hire, bringing Mike McDaniel in there. And, you know, I, I actually I came back yesterday with uh, a big feature takeout on Eric Bieniemy, um, as we're doing a, a series on, on minority coaches. And obviously, Mike is biracial, Mike McDaniel. But what 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 stood out to me in a conversation with Eric Bieniemy was how First of all, this man's received 14, 14 teams and 15 interviews in the last four years. And you just can't put your finger on why he doesn't get an opportunity. Here's a guy who's articulate, who's a leader, and who's had success working under a coach like Andy Reid, who has a extensive coaching tree of guys who've gone on to be successful. Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl. John Harbaugh won a Super Bowl. Sean McDermott is doing well. Ron Rivera has done well. So why doesn't Eric Bieniemy get that opportunity? So in speaking to him, I started looking at guys like Mike McDaniel and others that he's been passed over. And, and I thought, man, his resume blows some of these guys away and I just don't understand it. I don't get it. I talk to different people about it. And, and I don't know that we'll, we'll ever solve that mystery of Eric Bieniemy. And that brings me to, well, Mike McDaniel gets this shot. And, and he's had far less success than EB over the course of his young career. And, and here he is in Miami now. And he gets tasked with trying to take Tua to that next level, to a tongue of Iloa. And, and, and I know that they there was all that speculation, Jody and Rick, everything about Sean Payton and Tom Brady, and now it proves to be that they get uh they they get uh tampering charges and penalized for all of that stuff. 
So he certainly wasn't their top choice. He may not have been their second choice or their third choice. And he could very well be, guys, just that little placeholder until they possibly go get the guy they wanted all along in Sean Payton. Now, if he goes 11 and 6, can't get rid of the guy. If they go 10 and 7, make the playoffs, he, he you're, you you kind of you you, you got to keep him around and 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 do and but I don't know how successful they can be right away right now. There's still a lot of question marks about the quarterback position. They got a lot of talent surrounding him and that can help but now Mike McDaniel's got to prove that he can be that guy without Kyle Shanahan around. If I'm if I'm Eric Bieniemy, I might be glad I didn't get the Miami job because you're <laughs> right, buddy. They may turn around and give it to Peyton next year anyway. That's a good uh, point, Joe. Say, saying that, if I tell you only one of the two Alabama former former quarterbacks is going to have a bust out year, get that next contract be labeled the franchise quarterback of the organization. One's going to, one's not. Who would you bet on, Tua or Justin or uh, Jalen? I got it. It's not a homer pick. I just feel better about Jalen. I, I really do. I, I know Tyreek Hill comes in there and tells you Tua throws a better ball than Patrick Mahomes, and you hear Sammy Watkins say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes. But listen, uh, you, you can say whatever you want about Tua and the ball he throws and his accuracy, I like what Jalen Hurts can do in this offense. I think Jalen Hurts now is surrounded with more playmakers. The Eagles have such a dominant offensive line. The Eagles have such a a strong, solid, exceptional offensive line that their backups are going to be highly sought after by some of the teams. If Whoever they cut is not going to make – I can't imagine – the Eagle, if Jack Anderson gets cut, he'll probably he won't sneak through on the practice squad. Somebody will pick him up. So you got Jalen Hurts with uh, an offensive line that that's extremely talented, more weapons in AJ Brown and Devontae Smith in his second year. And, and I, I really like what Nick Sirianni is trying to do with Jalen in this offense. And it would not surprise me if he goes out there and, and he puts together a, a year that is going to command that they keep him around, that they make him the friend. Now, that's the big question this year. I said last year going into 2021, what is the biggest priority for the Eagles? I don't care how many wins or losses. It's determining whether or not Jalen Hurts is the answer in 2022. We didn't get that answer definitively. They made the playoffs. He had a decent season. He put up some numbers. We saw some flaws. Now going into 2022, you got to find out if he's the answer for 23 and beyond. And, and if you had it, if if the question is posed to me, Jody, the way you just did, one of these two guys is going to, and right. one is not, I'll go with Jalen will and Tua will not. Well, to that point, Rob, I mean, when I take a look at the playoff teams from a year ago, you can argue the Eagles improved their team maybe more than any other playoff team in the league this offseason. Yet, I go to Vegas and the Dallas Cowboys are favored to win this division. Now, I'm on record. I got the Eagles winning the division. I think they can win 10, 11 games. Vegas thinks differently. Uh, who is your prediction to win this NFC East? Yeah, I, I'm Rick, I'm right there with you on the Eagles. And again, I, I don't want it to sound like a homer pick for a guy who grew up uh, sitting in the 700 level and covered the team for 20 plus years. I, I look at this team 
the moves that they made, not just on offense, not just bringing in A.J. Brown and, and, and adding more depth on the offensive line, but you look at what they did defensively, and I think that's the big key. Jordan Davis, a monster up front. Uh, you, you look at the, the way they shored up the secondary with James Bradbury. You you look at bringing in Hassan Reddick and, and Kaiser White. Like We finally talk about this team's linebackers in a way where it's not, hey, how are they ever going to do anything at that position too? They got some playmakers there now. So uh, I'm pretty excited about what they've done defensively. I like what they've done on offense, and, and, and I do. I look at this team as a 10-11 win team, and, and I'm, not, I'm not sold on, on the Cowboys year in and year out. And, and we do know this, there hasn't been a repeat winner in the NFC East since the Eagles won how many in a row from 01 to 04. So the Cowboys won last year. Uh, that's just one one little uh, reason to go with the Eagles for this season. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know why Vegas has it where they do, but I'm seeing a lot more people in, in talking to around the league. A lot of the guys who cover on a national level who are leaning towards Philly. All right, um, let me ask this question this way. You know, I asked the last one specifically to try and get an answer out of you. I'll do it to you again, Marty man. <laughs> Who will be the Eagles' most productive defensive player this year? Mm. That, that's a great question. So how, how are you measuring productive? Is well, it in numbers I'll give you, a, I'll give you a latitude tackles? there. You can, you can, you can uh, formulate your own productive. So All that right. way you can get, you hit the nail on the head the way you want. I'll go, I'll go with uh, Darius Slay, big play Slay at, at the cornerback position. Cause I, I'll look at it productive in terms of, it may not necessarily reflect in picks because he's not getting thrown at, but I'll take a guy who can be almost a lockdown corner who could take away the other team's top wide receiver. Uh, most often, he, he didn't do it a couple of years back when it was Devontae Adams or, or DK Metcalf. But I'll take a guy who I think is going to be helped by the addition of James Bradbury on the other side. And some of the moves that they've made up front uh, on that front seven, I think, are going to translate into even more success for slay so I'll, I'll go with i'll go with the corner giving you the most production and and you know he he did have his hands around the ball last year he had a couple touchdowns i think one was on that fumble return another was a pick six so that'll be my guy but i'm all, i'm really excited to see what the what jordan davis can do up front i know he's a rookie but uh he's just a monster truck in the in the middle of that line and uh, they're going to rotate. That's what they do. They like to have depth on that defensive line, and, and that's been something that the Eagles have done for a long time. But branding BG's back, and he's healthy, and Fletcher Cox may be rejuvenated, hopefully, that he's got one more big run in him. And then Javon Hargrave and uh, Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, Milton Williams. Like You look at all these guys rotating in there. I think that bodes well for someone like Jordan Davis and, and giving him reps where he's got fresh legs against some tired O-linemen. So I'm I'm excited about him, but to answer your question the way you posed it, Joe, I'll go with Darius Slay as the most productive defensive back. I like it. All right, staying in the secondary then, Rob, because I feel like the depth of the secondary really still needs to be determined here, and, and that could shake out against the Dolphins. We mentioned Josiah Scott here on the show today kind of playing that hybrid cornerback safety role. Does that impact the Jaquiski tart? 
Uh, Josh Job has suddenly made a name here for himself as an undrafted free agent. McPherson has played well. Uh, it, it becomes a numbers game. So who's staying and who's going? Yeah, and of course you got Kayvon Wallace in, in the mix at safety, and he's the, he's he's staying now. Uh, I look I look at experience back there as far as when you want to keep some guys for depth. You look at keeping the experienced guys who may be plucked if you try to pull them through uh, onto the practice squad, and some of the 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 young guys who, who don't have that those reps in games, and that you can try and sneak them through on the practice squad. Now, anytime I, I think of Jakeski Tart, I, I think of how he cost Jimmy Garoppolo an opportunity to be in the Super Bowl last year because he dropped that interception that Matthew Stafford just put up there late in the game and, and they were, and just dropped it right there in his hands. You guys saw it. And then they, they go on, uh, the Rams win that game and go on to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. And how, and my, how things could have been different in San Fran had Jakeski Tart held on to that ball. But uh, the Eagles aren't going to hold that against him. And, and, and I think that he may have an edge a little bit in some of his experience and, and that he can shake out as, as a guy who uh, is is going to make the roster. And, and then you look at um, Josiah Scott. And, and I know Carrie Vincent Jr. hasn't uh, at corner, hasn't seen a lot of time, too, in, in the preseason for whatever reason. He's had some injuries and, and and things like that and and that he might be a casualty because you got to be available to be able to to make the roster and sometimes that costs you but uh how the practice squad shakes out is going to be very interesting and exciting and, and an exciting two days for the people who track practice squad signings exactly all right as a national reporter and know you're uh a south florida guy these days i gotta give a nod to tom brady whatever did <clears throat> personal time for Rob Motti wasn't able to get to the bottom of it to find out that he was going to try and get Brittany Griner back to the U.S. rather than Dennis Rodman. I don't know exactly what he was doing with that personal time, but if Motti couldn't find out, he did a great job. Nobody else did either, so kudos to Tom for that. But while he was gone, the offensive line just keeps coming apart. Injuries, guys out for the entire season, question marks and the like. Tampa's a legit Super Bowl contender this year. At least they seem to be on paper, unless their offensive line keeps coming apart, it seems like it is. How bad is it? Is that what Tom was doing, trying to buy more insurance? Because he knew his offensive <laughs> line was falling apart down there in Tampa? Yeah, it, it's uh, it, it's pretty amazing how that's unfolded. Ryan Jensen, the uh, Pro Bowl center, goes down. I think it was second day of, of camp, goes down with a gruesome knee injury. They haven't put him on, on IR because uh, they, they're they hoping that he can potentially be available for uh, a deep playoff run. And then Aaron Stinney, left guard, goes down in uh, the Tennessee game last week with an ACL-MCL injury. So he's out for the year. So they're going to rely on uh, a pair of unproven guys, young guys, uh, a rookie and a second-year pro at center, and at left guard as of now, Jody. And that's why that's one of those teams where I think they will be keeping an eye on what the Eagles do with their offensive line, because whoever doesn't make the roster, Tampa should be in waiting, looking at, hoping to snap one of those guys up, whether it's uh, if you can make a trade, they ought to be looking at trading uh, a third day draft pick or a second day pick for somebody to add some depth because the, we, we know Tampa's success is going to be dependent upon keeping Tom Brady upright. 
And, and now with backups at center and left guard, you, you got some holes right there up the middle. And the one way that you can impact Brady has been throughout the course of his career is up the middle, getting in his face, not from the outside, but getting through and to him and in his face. And, and we saw how successful the Rams were last year. They almost came back the Bucks in that game, but Aaron Donald with, with the bull rush and coming up the middle and getting in his face. And we even saw the Eagles, Ryan Kerrigan and his two sacks against Brady in the playoff game last year. They didn't do anything all season. And then Ryan Kerrigan gets two sacks against Brady in a playoff game and then goes off and rides into the sunset and, and retires. But uh, that's going to be a big question mark for the Buccaneers and, and their success is dependent upon keeping him healthy keeping him safe and and i i would look if i were them i would be looking at philly i would be looking at some of these teams who have depth on the offensive line or who have guys who may be uh cap casualties or whatever to bring in because they, they they're going to need it you know rob uh we talked tampa bay i i look at the afc as like a gauntlet this year but in the nfc once you get past the rams you've got the bucks and I'm looking at the Packers, and we just talked about Brady. It doesn't have the same feel to me. You know, Tom Brady's got a killer instinct for him to just take off for 10 days and kind of have this club med uh, mentality. It just it, it doesn't have the same feeling in Tampa Bay. And then I go to Green Bay and maybe some complacency there as well. Aaron Rodgers calling out his younger wide receivers, saying they got to catch the damn ball. But then the media is there to keep Rodgers in check and say, hey, Aaron, where were you during voluntary workouts? You think maybe that might have something <laughs> to do with the timing? And he shot that down. But Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, who I respect highly, he came out and said, hey, that's Aaron Rodgers' ego talking. And I think the one thing that bodes well for Hurts and the Eagles, not a lot of guys left from that Super Bowl team. And I know you wrote a book on that team, by the way, uh, you know, Birds of Prey. Go check that out. But Hertz has not won a Super Bowl. Stafford has. Grady has. Rodgers has. What, what are you looking? Are you looking? Are we looking too much into this Green Bay Packers situation with the young receivers? I mean, there's a lot of holes to be filled, not just from losing Devontae Adams. People don't realize Marquez Valdez Scantling was a weapon in the slot. He's now in Kansas City. There's a lot of question marks on that Green Bay offense. Yeah, and, and Rick, you're right. You don't often think you think of what the Green Bay Packers lost uh, as far as weapons, and instantly we, we automatically go to Devontae Adams. But MVS was also a, a guy who who was a go-to for Aaron Rodgers, and, and, and I thought that was a, a great comeback when he's talking about or he's questioning the receivers and, and complaining about them. Yeah, that, that's where we they, they say this all the time. Chemistry is built in the offseason. That's why you see some of these quarterbacks, right? They take their receivers and their tight ends and they go to some remote exotic place or wherever it may be. And, and they beyond what the NFL allows them to do together as a team, they go on their own. And Aaron Rodgers wasn't doing that with some of these guys. So, of course, they're not going to be on the same page. And for as great as Aaron Rodgers is and has been, and he's now the two-time reigning NFL MVP, he hasn't had 
outside of that one year where they won the Super Bowl and they went through Philly as a wild card and, and they beat Michael Vick when Vick threw that pass to Riley Cooper and it was intercepted and turned that game uh, over to the Packers. And they haven't had success in the postseason. They've been a number one seed a couple of years in a row and they, they failed at Lambeau. The mystique of going into uh, Lambeau Field in January, the frozen tundra has worn off a long time ago. And Aaron Rodgers, for as great as he's been, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the most talented quarterbacks in the history of the NFL, he doesn't win the big games. And I don't know when he's going to be – that label is going to be attached to him, maybe because he's won that first Super Bowl and won it over 10 years ago and won it early in his career that people uh, give him kind of a pass. But over the last decade – Aaron Rodgers does not win the big game. And, and that's that's been the case with Devontae Adams. And I don't think that's going to change without Devontae Adams. And, and as good as they're going to be in the, in the regular season, and they'll probably run through that NFC North because it's a weak division, uh, I don't put them in that uh, Super Bowl. They're going to be a contender for as long as Rodgers is there. But uh, I, I would go with Tampa and, and L.A., and I would take these teams – over the Packers right now. And, and I, I would look at, I don't know what Trey Lance is going to do yet in San Francisco. I know they're excited about him. I, I like Kyle Shanahan. I like the way he structures his offense and runs his team, but I'm not going to put the Niners in Super Bowl contention mode just yet. But I, I do think that the Eagles can be, although not a Super Bowl contender, a team that plays into January and can make some noise. So I kind of lumped the Packers in that second tier ahead of the Eagles, the San Francisco's, uh, New Orleans, if Jameis can can come back and be what he was early last year. All right, let's finish here, Mighty Man. And uh, we're not going to abuse the privilege. You always say yes when we ask, and we thank you much for that. Uh, but we're not going to ask you to come back in the next 18 days before the Eagles season starts. So let's get to week number one. They might not win 44-6 to six like they did over the Lions last year, but tell Saratella, Tell McMullen, tell Mike Gill, it's not going to be in doubt. The Eagles are going to get up by double digits relatively early, and they're going to cruise to an easy victory over the Lions week one. I don't care how entertaining Dan Campbell is on hard knocks. <laughs> the Lions just aren't that good a team. The Eagles are going to beat them in Detroit by double digits week one. Are they not? Uh, I, I would lean towards that. The hard knocks hype has got Philly uh, media a little concerned about yes. this. Intro. Yes, yes. Tough out week one. The Lions oh, are a tough something out. No, like they're not. Is this going to be the revenge of Deuce Staley? Uh, I mean, he was there last year. He's there, there. <laughs> 44 to 6, Deuce. Yeah, it's not going to be 44 to 6. And, and I, I think the Lions will be more competitive than they were last year. But if the Eagles don't go there and win that game and win it, handily like by by winning handily i mean you're checking red zone in the fourth quarter right, right. You're, you're looking at your fantasy team and you're you're following it because it's so uh the, the the outcome is no longer in doubt that's how i look at this game and that's how i feel that that game will be and as we get closer if there's any nicks and bruises and bumps and guys who are in and out you know we can adjust but right now looking at this 18 is it 18 days away jody wow 18 Eight, that's all we eight, gotta wait 18 days away i'll give you a comfortable double digit not quite two touchdown victory but maybe 11 12 point victory for the eagles in week one 
I feel that much better about my prediction now. When I got Marty on my side, <laughs> I know I've hit I've hit the nail on the head. Uh, Rob, great stuff. Again, our condolences on the Thank passing you. of your father. Uh, you know we're going to get you back on. We'll let you get your season underway, jump around the league, maybe get to the bottom of what Brady was doing for those two weeks. <laughs> um, but uh, we look forward to getting you back on the show again. Thanks for jumping in today. Thank you, fellas. Have a good one. Keep it cranking, Rob. Rob Motti, who is the lead, a lead uh, NFL writer for the Associated Press, got the, that promotion this year. Why? Because he's that good and because he deserves it. And we're lucky when he says yes on hopping on to Birds 365. All right. Rick Saratella in for John McMullen, Jordan McDonald. We'll come back. You know what we got to do? Put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. your day with confidence definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand and keep your family safe with action news and accuweather numerous tornadoes well over seven inches of rain your go-to team when severe weather strikes the water is still rising right now keeping you prepared wherever you watch on tv on 6abc.com and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you action news and accuweather the team you trust. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Sticking on this Wednesday joint practice edition of Birds 365. 
I'm not practicing with Terry Saratoga. We just do the show together when they uh, throw us together. And he's filling in for uh, Johnny Mac today. I'm assuming John, well, I know John McMullen will have something up on uh, uh, jacobsports.com later in the day. Chances are they're going to rope him into coming on at least uh, the sports take, if not uh, Cilio, if not jumping in to do a solo review of what went down in practice. So keep right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel for updated info on what the uh, joint practice looks like today between these two teams. And I think this is fun, Rick, because I see the Dolphins and the Eagles as two really similar teams. I asked uh, Rob Marty about the which of the two quarterbacks is going to be the franchise guy. I think there's a good chance of both of them going to be, as a matter of fact. But if it's going to be one or the other, I I can't turn uh, a 180 on Tua yet. I love the kid coming out of college. I still love the kid. You talk about weapons. I know the Eagles added A.J. Brown. Yeah, the Dolphins added Tyreek Hill. I know the Eagles added uh, Zach Pascal. The Dolphins added uh, Cedric Wilson, who I actually think is more of a receiving threat than Zach Pascal is. Um, the Dolphins added Raheem Mostert. Now he's got to stay healthy, but he's a big play back as big as Miles Sanders. And oh, by the way, the Dolphins needed to upgrade their offensive line. They went out and got uh, Armstead, one of the best offensive left tackles as there is in football. I think Dolphins are going to be real good this year. The The Dolphins' problem is they're in the tougher AFC, and the Eagles are lucky in that they're in the easier NFC. Yeah, it's a lot of similarities when you talk about a, a running back by committee approach, a lot of um, still question marks about the quarterback when it's all said and done. Uh, but Rob made a good point. You know, you can't make the club in the tub. And if Tua can't stay durable, I don't know how you – go all in on this guy and he made another good point this could be a one and done experiment i mean if if mcdaniel and Tua fall flat on their face who's to say sean payton won't be in there next season who's to say you know tom brady won't come along for the ride so i think there's a lot of pressure considering a first year head coach an unproven quarterback uh and you know it's also i think our good friend dan cilio uh put out a question yesterday which is a good debate who do you like more devonta smith or, or Jalen Waddle. We talk about the Alabama quarterbacks. Both of these wide receivers have, have, have made a great mark on, on the NFL in a short period of time. I personally, I think Devonta Smith is the better route runner, craftsman, technician, and receiver. But I give a slight edge to Jalen Waddle just for his ability in the return game. But that's a really close debate as well. Agreed. And I like them both coming out, but you know, I like Smith more. Shoot. I like Smith better the year before when he was only a junior. I thought he was the best wide and rugs and all those guys are going as high as they did in the draft. So uh, I, I do favor the Eagles wide receiver in that uh, specific matchup, but it'd be interesting to see because they're two very different players. Yeah. Uh, the comparison between not Waddle and Smith. I'm talking about the two superstars that were brought in AJ Brown and Tyreek Hill. They're both going to make plays for their quarterback, and I think they've uh, got a good chance to get both of them paid as franchise guys going forward. Uh, Ricky, great stuff today. Outstanding job filling in for Johnny Mac. Appreciate you doing it. We'll find out a little later in the day if you're going to come back and do it with me again tomorrow. Yeah, I'm on standby. Xander, <laughs> call me. <laughs> well, then we are, we're lucky to have you on standby. Thanks for doing this today. Uh, thanks to everybody who streamed in and all the guys on the stream with their comments. 
Thanks to Rob Marty and Mike Gill for hopping on with us. Johnny Mac believes he'll be able to hop on first thing. Started the show tomorrow. He had to get all his uh, media credential stuff together today. Uh, believes the practice is going to be 9.30 in tomorrow. So he might be here jumping in with us tomorrow at the top of the show. Uh, but he'll be hopping on the Jacob Media YouTube channel all day and on jacobsports.com as well. Uh, Eagle fans, appreciate you checking in. We'll be right back here on Birds 365 in... Two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.